Chris Lee and Max Barr of Southeastern 14 here to do a little Monday morning bracketology. We're an SEC channel, so we will spend the bulk of our time on SEC teams. We'll also give you an idea of what we think of some other teams because that's going to affect the pecking order. We'll tell you how we arrived at our conclusions, all that stuff. First, a reminder, BetOnline sponsors this video. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for all basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today. Become part of the team. Remember to use a promo code BELIEVE. That is B-L-E-A-V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online. The game starts here. All right, Max, let's pull up our chart. And here's what we're looking at. I, I'm going to, this is the show your homework edition. Now, we're not going to get into making out a full bracket and tell you who's playing in Dayton and all that good stuff. But we're going to try to tell you why we've got teams ranked where they are, let you know some things about their resumes see the big games they've won, just about everything that goes into this, uh, because I think that might be more helpful. There's still, what, five weeks of basketball to play, six weeks, whatever it is, till the tournament, and so all this is going to change anyway. And I'm just going to show you a few things. We've got our number one seeds this morning is Purdue, Houston, Connecticut, and Arizona. Let me walk you through things. Uh, this tab is automatic. That is when we project a team to win its conference. I have done that or its conference tournament. I've done that mostly based on computer projections at Ken Palm. The update is when we've updated the resume through. So this is fairly current. Now, when we get down here to some of the, the auto bids, I haven't updated those the last day or two. That's really not a big deal. Those are the mostly the 13 through 16 teams, and that's going to be fairly predictable. The net ranking, which does not really factor into anything other than giving you quads. Uh, we've got computer averages. This is an average right here, and this is a big number because this is my starting point for the sort. It is an average of BPI, Ken Pomeroy, uh, and the strength of resume computers, which are KPI and ESPN strength of resume. That is usually a pretty good indicator of where a team is going to seed, so I sort these teams according to that number and then make adjustments based on resume. These are the quads right here. You can see the records, the overall record, away and neutral. And these are the strength of schedule metrics. And then out over here are the big wins that these teams have amassed. Now, you will see some teams like I've got Purdue's win over Xavier being in here. It's not a huge win, but Xavier's still got an outside chance to make the NCAA tournament. So I'll leave a lot of those games against teams that have a fighting shot to make the NCAA tournament in here just because if I take them out, I have to put them back in later. That's a mess. So, Max, I think the top three seeds, Purdue, Houston, Connecticut, right now, I think that's what most people would have. The, the number four seed, or the fourth one, that's very between Arizona, North Carolina, Tennessee, maybe even Kansas. I think this is what most of the basketball universe has got these days. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of shop around and, and get different variations, but that's that's – the variation you're going to get. I think people would, most people would agree that Arizona is that team that's kind of just a step behind Purdue, Houston, and UConn. Um, yeah. Just kind of 
I think that FAU loss, they would have really liked that. Um, but also just being in the Pac-12, there's less of an opportunity to rack up quality wins. And and almost every time, not almost every time, but more often than other conferences, when you drop in a conference game in the Pac-12, it usually gets graded a lot lower uh, than in other conferences where you can, you know, kind of lose to a team in the middle of the pack and you're, you're, the computers don't knock you for it at all. Yeah, and again, pay attention to this number. And I, I did some yeah. research. I think it was, um, oh goodness, I, I would give proper credit where it's due. But usually the first 32 teams or so follow a decent range of what the computers average the strength of resume and predictive computers at. So if you'll notice, these first four seeds, there's a pretty big difference between where the ones and twos are. I, I think that's a pretty, pretty clear separation right now. Now let's look at the twos. We've got North Carolina, Kansas, Tennessee, and Marquette. I actually had Tennessee late last week as a one seed ahead of Arizona. That loss in College Station was, a, you know, a, a bit of a hit to the resume. You've also got this difference between Tennessee and the other teams. You've got a four and five record in quad one. So that's where Tennessee fails a little bit. But you look over here, some really good wins, Alabama at Wisconsin, Illinois with Terrence Shannon at Kentucky, that Florida win looking a little bit better every day, and Ole Miss. Right now the Vols have got six wins against teams that would be in the field today without much question, Max, and, and that makes for a really strong start to a resume. Yeah, the thing that Tennessee really has going for them right now is three of their six losses are against teams that are – the computers just love with North Carolina, Kansas, and Purdue. So you're you're not going to get knocked back for that at all. And then the other three losses, uh, two of them are on the road. One of them's at home against South Carolina, who I think Chris and I would agree the computers are too low on right now. Um, yeah. But Mississippi State, South Carolina, and A&M, all right around 30th, 40th, uh, and depending on what computers you're looking at. So there's not a single – result that's going to drag their drag their analytical footprint down at all they just they've avoided bad losses is what Tennessee's been able to do so far yeah and by the way I think North Carolina's win over Tennessee I believe that was in Chapel Hill I had it as a neutral game I think that's a mistake but a couple of things for Tennessee this is one thing that's kind of a positive only eight games against quad three and four no blemishes there it did have a quad two loss that's at um, home against South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, and, and South Carolina is better than a than a quad two team, but it, it is what it is. I think this is the main thing that's maybe hurting Tennessee right now. You look at the range of teams ahead of yeah. the balls. Everybody in that range has got a plus five hundred record against quad one. But again, look look at who some of the games are. I think to me, I I look at who some of the teams are in those quads because you can get some some funny things playing a you know the the number seventy five team on the road. Well. You know, that's the same as playing Purdue at home. Uh, I, I know the home and road make a difference, but uh, there is a difference to me if you, you look into that a little bit. So uh, one other thing, you look at some teams ahead of Tennessee, you've got some quad three losses there. So as this gets close, and I, I think Tennessee is going to stay in that range, I think these three teams right here are going to be hard to nudge out. But I think that number four, Max, I feel like that is going to be – up for grabs for a while, and that number four team is probably going to bounce around a good bit. I I would agree with that. I think that's going to be the when we when we come down to 
selection Sunday and we're we're finishing up all of the big conference tournaments, the conversation for who grabs the fourth number one seed is going to be probably the biggest storyline uh, of selection Sunday. Um, when we're looking at um, how Tennessee can bolster that quad one category there right now, Bartorovic projects them to have two more quad one games. That's going to be in late February at home against Auburn. And then next, the, the Saturday right after that at Alabama. So that's going to be two really closely contested games where they're going to need to get those wins if they want to be on that one seed. Yeah. Not, not to mention the SEC tournament games. Oh, I th- yeah, of course. Which it's hard hard to know how those are going to factor in. Certainly, the the last couple don't seem to wait as much. But if you can if you can knock off an Alabama or an Auburn, and you're right on that border, then I think Tennessee's going to have a chance. Okay, let's get let's get to our threes. We got Baylor, Iowa State, Alabama, and Auburn. I, I may have Auburn too high, but again, look at these numbers from, from what Marquette I can tell. I think too. it's heat check. Yeah, I'm sorry, Marquette's my last two. Heat check, I believe, is the one that said you can usually get a pretty good idea of where your team is going to fall, again, by averaging those four computers. Jeff Sagram used to be in there, too, but he stopped doing computer rankings this year for whatever reason. So you, you might look at Auburn and Alabama, and the, those quad ones are problematic. Alabama three and six, Auburn two and four. Auburn's road record also a little problematic, too. But the computers love both those teams, and so right now, People might have an issue with it, but the computers have both those teams squarely in that three-seed range. In fact, Alabama would even be in the two-seed range. I just don't think the rest of the resume right now supports that, Max. Who would you – would you say there's a definitive one resume is better than the other here with Alabama-Auburn, or is it a, is it a coin flip for you? I look at the wins. Mm-hmm. Um to, to me, Alabama's got better wins. That's five teams right now that would be in the tournament without much question. Oregon would not be in there right now. But, again, Oregon's like on that that next bubble of, I yep. don't know, a dozen teams out. Auburn, that that's what it's got. I, I just think I look at the big wins that Alabama has, and, and they are more impressive. And, of course, the two teams split head-to-head, although Auburn's win – and Tuscaloosa was more demonstrative than was Alabama's. Plus, you got a, a small difference in road record too. Although Alabama on the neutral court wasn't wasn't great, so there's that. Yeah, I think I would give it to Alabama also because of the quality of their non-conference strength of schedule. Yeah. Also, I mean, they yeah. just loaded that thing up, um, and I think Nate Oates did that for a multitude of reasons, and one of them being really starting to cozy up to the computers early with all of these. I mean, you just look at the Ken Palm numbers, which are usually pretty close on with the net. Um, but number two, Purdue, number four, Arizona, number 17, Creighton, 30, Clemson, 37, Indiana State. So just a lot, a lot of quality in that schedule. Yeah. Moving on, and you're going, well, hey, you know, Auburn got thrashed Saturday. Some of these teams that you're going through, Chris, they got beat Saturday. Well, guess what? A lot of teams got beat. <laughs> so did everyone Wisconsin else. Wisconsin is just on a real slide right now. Wisconsin was on the one line for some people yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Lost four in a row. The last one was to Rutgers. Dayton lost to VCU this weekend. South Carolina, the computers do not support 
Carolina's a four seed, but I, I don't know how much lower you could put Carolina at this point. And then you got an Illinois team that I don't know what to do with. But let's focus on Carolina for a minute. Here's where the problem is. It's the predictive computers, and and I know Carolina fans are screaming at me right now. I, I can hear it. We're better than that. Yes, you are. Those numbers do matter. I've still put Carolina higher than, than what? Eight, nine teams after it, according to the computers. And Again, I think it's deserved. But again, we are trying to figure out what the committee is going to do. That's also strong. Three losses total. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that's that's your problem right there. Two eighty two non conference strength of schedule. Again, we are trying to look at it like a committee may look at it. I think to me, you kind of split the difference between this and that, and you put it right here in the middle. Well, so I I kind of understand the computers and why they haven't fully bought in because a lot of well, I would say half of. South Carolina's quad one opportunities for the entire season, they've yet to play. So they, yeah. they have right now on Bartorvik, five quad one games have been played and they have five remaining. So, and Bartorvik has them to be an underdog in all five of those. So I can understand where the computers say, you know, hey, if they four out of the next five games that are quad one are all on the road at Auburn, at Ole Miss, at AM, at Mississippi State. You go and you win a few of those. I bet we see their net skyrocket from what is it in the the high thirties, low forties. Yeah, I bet that jumps jumps into the top thirty if they can get some of those road wins. So I understand the computers, and I think we are frustrated because we're watching this team play every every single day, and we're like, we know how good this team is. So I understand the computer though. Where does Lenardi have them this morning or bracket matrix? I will tell you. And I, I did. I did this mostly on my own without looking at other other places, just to to see what has, I, where I would put them. He has South Carolina as a five seed right now. A five. Okay, so we've got him higher, but I, but I think it's the, here's your problem. This is the one I don't get. BPI is the lowest of the computers, and what I don't understand about BPI is I think it's more scaled to recency and also to adjust for losses of key players. You would think that BPI would rank Carolina higher than Ken Pomeroy because of the, the Colin Murray boils injury, but for whatever reason that it just hasn't caught up yet. So anyway, yeah, that's a, that's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up because even just as we're having this conversation right now, I forgot about that because you know, we've kind of just ingrained into our heads like, okay, LSU didn't have some guys in the beginning. Ole Miss didn't have some guys in the beginning. We have to start just grouping South Carolina into that where we see how good Colin Murray Boyles is now and how much he adds to this team and really start to, I wouldn't say, like, I'm not going to wash away that Clemson loss, but man, if they had Colin Murray Boyles with how he's playing right now, I bet that was, that game goes a lot differently, and they prepare a lot differently. So that's another thing that computers haven't caught up to yet. We go to the five seeds. I've got Duke, Creighton, Clemson, BYU. And this is about the point right here with the sixes and sevens where it starts to get a little more difficult. Not the sixes so much. I have San Diego State, Oklahoma, Florida Atlantic, and Indiana State. But really when we get to the sevens and eights, yeah, it gets a little trickier. I've got 
sevens, Utah State, Virginia. I, I don't I think I'm gonna have Virginia higher than most of the other people who do brackets do. I I, I think it's deserved because of that. Um the, the huge wins aren't there. I've got Texas in there, SEC team next year. I've still got Kentucky as a seven at this point. I mean it, it's got some decent wins over here, although you'd like to see a few more. The predictives continue to really like Kentucky, and I think that's got a lot of reason why the cats are where they are. Now, this is problematic. The strength of resume computers have got Kentucky as more of a bubble team. Uh, this is also a problem. Uh, two and five in quad one, four home losses. I may have Kentucky too high, but this is the territory where teams, you could say Kentucky's flawed. Well, well welcome to the seven seeds and down, and, and that's where – everybody's got some flaw somewhere. It's just how do you balance those out? You say you think you have you might have Kentucky too high, and what do you have them at? Maybe. I've got them a seven. Well, Lenardi has them as a six. On the okay, way down. Well, on the way yeah. down, but as a six. Okay. Well, maybe I don't. Um, um, looking at their opportunities to improve on this, it's going to be tough, Chris. It really is. They've got four more quad one games left in the Three of them are on the road, and the home game that they get is against Alabama. Um, yeah. They got to go to Auburn, to Tennessee, to Mississippi State. Uh, so it's going to be tough, but, hey, I, quad one games are not. That's why they're valued so high because they are tough to come by. Um, so there's going to be opportunities, three more in February. Um, they're just going to have to get that ship righted pretty soon. Yeah, now we're getting into the territory where a lot of teams have got multiple losses outside of quad one, as you can yep. see. I've got, let's see, yeah, I mean, in Kentucky, you could you could make a case for Kentucky being a little bit higher. But but again, they're just, the lack of really huge, the, the one over North Carolina is going to be a big one. The, the That's win a, at Florida's a looking better. But they split there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're pretty comparable numbers wise to the to the teams in their range. So I, seven, I don't think is far off. You could argue for six, but I think they fall pretty squarely into that range. Sevens, I've got TCU, New Mexico, Texas Tech, Colorado State. This is where we're starting to get a lot of Mountain West teams. And then eights, I go Northwestern, Ole Miss, Florida, St. Mary's. Ooh. And now Florida's Florida's kind of in, Ole Miss and Florida are both interesting for different reasons. Uh, the the resume computers love Ole Miss. You can see if we're going just resume, Ole Miss is up here in, in the five and six territory. The predictives are telling you a different story. They're both going to matter. Um, Ole Miss only two and four in quad one. That, that hurts. Now, you got Florida over here, two and seven in quad one. But here's the thing that you don't see often in this territory. No losses outside of quad one. Uh, you look around the Gators, everybody's got losses outside quad one but Florida. Now, the problem for Florida, two and seven in quad one, two and four on the road, and not not a lot of beef to the resume, some nice wins there, but you see teams in that area that have got more of them. This is what is carrying Florida's water. Uh, where is it? Right here. The strength of resume computers, I, I guess, like the fact that there's no losses outside quad one. And so you, you could justify moving the Gators up on that strength of resume, but the problem is when you dig in, the big wins just aren't there like some of the teams up, up in this range. Now you can see why they were playing with their hair on fire against Auburn. They needed yeah. that quality win. But what I'm starting to see here, Chris, is that when I look at these two teams, Ole Miss and Florida, who right now do you feel – 
if they were put on a neutral court, who do you feel would be favored in that game? Not who you think would be who would win. Who just do you think would be favored? Florida. Okay, me too. So, well, and, and look, and, and, and it tells you clearly. The, those are the the computers right here that yeah. that are very close to the lines, and there, there's a lot of difference between Florida and Ole Miss in those right now. So what I'm what I'm getting at here, what my what my thought is, is I think Florida, along with Texas A and M, are probably the two SEC teams that are middle of the packish in the standings that are looking the best, playing the playing their best they have uh, in a few weeks. The better they do, the better Ole Miss's best two wins are going to look. Yeah, the more Florida and Texas A and M move up the stronger Ole Miss's strength of resume is going to get. So they're kind of working for each other. Yeah. The other difference here, Ole Miss doesn't have a win against anybody that's like a top. A top, top team. Top eight seed. Like you get Northwestern here. Okay. Purdue, Dayton, Illinois, all teams that are probably top four seeds right now. So there's a little difference in quality wins. Florida's got the one over Auburn, which we've got as a, what, a three or four seed, I think a three. Winning in Rupp, I know that's gotten devalued a little bit lately, but that's still a tough one to get. So this is why this is so hard to do. Everybody's got a little something different on their resume line, and it's just really hard to know how the committee is going to weight this versus that. Yeah, Ole Miss's best opportunity to get that that top seed kind of win, they, they're going to host Alabama in two weeks. That they. they they are going to need that win if they're going to want to, you know, lock themselves in and get that marquee win that the computers are going to love for them. Um, as for for Florida, Florida's probably one of the hottest teams in the SEC right now. Uh, they're only favored to lose two of their remaining what eight games, ten games. So I'm not worried about Florida at all. And I, Chris, I think you like them really well. Um, yeah, I just I think they're going to win their games. I, I could see Florida very easily moving up to, to the five or six territory because, again, that that is the issue right here. They start adding more quad one wins, yeah. and, and I think that everything else screams this team is going to start zooming up the the charts here. And I, I think, does Lenardi have Florida as a nine today? I will tell you in two or seconds. Eight? He has them as a ten. A ten, okay. So we're we're close. I think speaking they're a 10 tens, on the rise. Okay, 10 on the rise. Well, that, that makes sense. Uh, speaking of 10s, Mississippi State, Washington State, Grand Canyon, Nebraska are the four that I've got. Now, Grand Canyon is going to be, right now, I'm, I'm projecting to get the auto bid, but I think it'd be interesting. I think if they take a loss somewhere, that conference, the whack is so bad that, that all the numbers are going to take a hit. But right now, I would I would have Grand Canyon – is is probably a 10 seed based on what it's done. Uh, it hasn't played a lot of great teams, but it's lost twice. So that counts for something. Yeah, and, and then we get into Mississippi State, which has got four really good wins uh, that, that compare pretty well against teams in this range. Two huge ones in Tennessee and Auburn, uh, Northwestern and Washington State, I think both firmly in the territory uh, of, of safely in at this point. So – yeah, um, and then we get to the 11s. We got Michigan State, A&M, Nevada, and Butler. Uh, and I think Boise State, Utah would be in there too. This is where we get into that whole thing of at-large teams and Dayton. I'm not I'm not going to break all that down and tell you who's Dayton, who's not. But the, the big thing is just 
where I rank these teams on this S curve and how I've got them ranked. Providence would be my last at large right now. And this is all going to be based on, are there no upsets in conference tournaments? So like if Arkansas were to win the SEC tournament, Arkansas not in at this point, nowhere close, then you start eating away at the at-larges on the bottom here. So, so note that these teams that are last in, um, probably when we get to selection day, if, if you're 47, 48 on the, the committee's S curve, there's a decent chance you're going to get knocked out by somebody, you know, by a bid stealer in a conference tournament somewhere. So keep that in mind. But back to the SEC, I think I've got AM lower than a lot of other people do. But when you get to probably the nine seeds and below, I think historically the strength of resume computers have started to matter a little bit more at this point. And so AM, that's where I think you'd like to see these guys move up a little bit. I, I, I probably got AM too low. I've got them right behind Michigan State because the predictives love State. And I don't know, probably AM's ahead of them based on these wins here. But again, it, it doesn't matter. We got five weeks to play. And, and right now, the point is to show you kind of the range that teams are in. AM now five and four against the, the quad one teams. I think this is the problem. You've got four losses outside of quad two. That's a little bit high for this area. You can see Michigan State uh, just with two losses outside quad one. Nevada with three. Uh, go back a couple more. Butler with just with one loss outside of quad one. So that's really what's holding AM back is a couple of quad two losses and a couple of quad threes. Yeah, Memphis falling off is, is hurting their – uh, that, they're counting that as a quad three loss now. Um, yeah. So that's that was a quad one like a month ago. Um, yeah. But uh, also the thing that is just the computers are loving is that Iowa State win. Oh, they love that win. That a top ten neutral court win. That's that's gonna really hold a lot of weight. And and Iowa State is. I was down on them in the beginning of the year, but that defense and and Lipsy there. They really make it tough, and that home court is really good. So Iowa State being top ten in the in the numbers um, is really going to help A and M. A and M is going to have a tough time though picking up another win. They'll probably have the best opportunity at Miss Ole Miss, but the other two are at Tennessee at Alabama. Um, and Bart Torvik has that as three possession underdogs for both of them. So uh, a big opportunity. Now you're going to see. All of these road games against these middle-of-the-pack SEC teams that are right around 30th, 40th in the net, these are going to be massive, massive games because it's probably the most winnable quad one opportunity left for a lot of these teams. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I forgot to note that Iowa State win is a neutral court win, which it was. I, I put, if you're watching this, you can see the, the at sign designates a, a road game. The neutral is a... The end is for neutral, and then if it doesn't have anything, then it, then it's a home game. So, Let's rounding out the, the rest of the field, I've, I've got – go ahead, Max. I'm sorry. Should we talk Mississippi State? Oh, I I, I didn't mean to, to leave them out. Yeah, State's, State's issue is three and six in quad one, and then that uh, – man, those Southern quad lost. three and four losses, that, that was to Southern, and the quad three was to – was it Georgia Tech, I think? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's that's what's hurting State. Um, man, you take that Southern loss. I think State right now is probably, I mean, at least another seed higher. Well, look at their—they've got a few quality wins there. Yeah, you got you got Tennessee and Auburn, 
two top 10 analytical teams right there that are just going to lock you in. And is that Washington State there on the end that you got? That is. They're doing it. They're having a nice Pac-12 season. They're yeah. rising up the computers too. Remaining opportunities here for uh, Chris Jans. Home against Kentucky right now is still a quad one game. We favored by four points, and that, that could be a big one. Uh, and then the other two at Auburn at AM, that Auburn game probably be about a three possession underdog. But once again, we find another huge game that Mississippi State at Texas AM, last game of the season, is going to be huge for these teams' resumes. Just scrolling down the rest of the field. If you're listening on YouTube, you're I mean, excuse me, if you're just listening on the podcast feed, then, then you're missing out the graphic that we're showing. This is where I've got uh, the rest of the auto bids. I've not updated these resumes in about a week, but these aren't going to change a whole lot. These are the the projected conference winners that I have. That's going to be different than who's first in the standings in a lot of these leagues right now. And then we get to the bubble. Uh, I've got Wake Forest, Seton Hall, St. John's, Memphis, Colorado, Drake, Gonzaga, and Kansas State is the first state out in that order and, and just for fun went down a little further and added another 10 or 12 teams. So if somebody down here gets on a heater, they've got a shot to, to move up the board. But I, th I think that's, that's just about anybody and everybody worth the cons worth consideration at this point. So Chris, right outside of right where your graph ends, right outside of that, we have LSU at 93 in the net. And Georgia at 94 in the net. Is there any world where they creep up and, and kind of flirt with that 70s range of the net? You know, I I didn't um I, I didn't bother to go that far. I figured once I got down to <laughs> to 15 or 20, that was enough. Um it, it took well, me a while to put, the, I had to put this all together by hand. But do this. Go to Warren Nolan and pull up their Warren Nolan page because that that's gonna be a little telling in terms of, of what we need to look at. Warren Nolan. I'll, I'll, I may be able to get that before you do. Here we go. The, the Team Sheets Plus is a really good feature. If you're just looking to do bracket stuff, Warren Nolan does a really good job of that. Um, I don't think you can see it on the screen yet, can you? No, you can't. But I'll, I'll get there in just a minute. Um... Let's see. LSU is what in the net this morning? If I'm not mistaken. I don't know about this morning. This was from yesterday's net. net. Okay. So they might have moved one or two. But LSU was 93, Georgia 94. Yeah. Might have moved a one or two. 94. This, I'm going to see if I can screen share this here. Well, I, I can't at, at the moment, but here's the deal. Okay, LSU two and six against quad one, two and three, quad two, one and one, quad three, seven and one, quad four. So you've got you've got five losses outside of quad one. That's a problem. Yeah. The resumes have got LSU in the nineties. That's a problem. And you've got to be look, you've got to be top 75 in the net anyway. I don't think anybody outside the top 75 has ever gotten in. So LSU would have to win a lot of games down the stretch. Big win opportunities would be, let's see, at Florida, at South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, there's some opportunities there. But they have the, the next two weeks, yeah. LSU is going to have to do a lot of damage and then, and then hope to 
to move up in, in the computers. So I, I think it is a, I'm not going to say stranger things haven't happened, but we're, we're getting into that territory. I'll tell you what, Chris, uh, LSU season of an at large, if they want to make a push, it's, it is going to be decided by Saturday, February 24th, two weeks, two weeks. We got games against Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi state. After that, we'll know. Yeah, we win those, and then maybe we have the start of a conversation on the fringe of the bubble. But that's still that's still work to do territory, and and certainly at that point can't lose anymore. What about in, in this? Three what or four. about this? So Georgia home against Florida on the week off this week. They get the midweek off, home against Florida, then at Vanderbilt, then home against Auburn. They. That's a three-game stretch right there where you can do some damage. Okay, George, George is your better bet. I think so. KPI, 61, strength of resume, 70. No quad three losses, no quad four losses. Now, two and five in quad five and one and five in quad one. But if Georgia can string together some wins and avoid bad losses, Georgia's got a much better shot at this than, than does LSU. I'm glad we looked at this. That's interesting now. Yeah, and, and the reason I put George, Georgia's 95 in, in the net, again, you've yep. got to be top 75 and, and probably top 70 or 65 to get consideration. So it just wasn't – right. I put this all together manually. It wasn't worth doing it at that point. But, hey, if Georgia starts to win, then we'll we'll do the math on that one. I don't think it's – I don't think it's uh, – I don't think it's in the conversation right now but they do have opportunity here coming up. Yeah, we're, we're getting to the territory where you got a lot of teams. I hate the term NCAA tournament lock because there's not a lot of teams that are just locks at this point. Right. But the, the one seeds are – to me, a lock is when you can lose every other game left and still get in the tournament. You're fine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, these, these teams on the one and two line are, are getting to that territory. You could argue South Carolina is too with that 21-3 and three record. But uh, we, we can't really start u- using lock – for most teams for, for probably another week or two, because, you know, somebody, it's a three seed today, you lose five in a row and and it's a different conversation. I can change quick though. I mean, with, you know, you have, say you have two quad one games remaining on your schedule, you win one of them. And you, that could, that could lock you in right there. Yeah. Yeah. Max, any, any parting thoughts on bracketology? I'll probably try to circle back and do this Thursday after the SEC's Tuesday and Wednesday games, but anything else here that, that stands out that we didn't get into? I just – I am just excited it's time to do it again. Yeah. It, this is this is such a fun time. Rothstein releases – did you see John Rothstein's video last night after the Super Bowl? No. His message to America that it is now time to focus on college basketball. <laughs> We're here now. I, I don't think the message from John Rothstein ever changes based on nope. anything, but <laughs> sticks to the brand. <laughs> he does stick to the brand. Well, we stick to our brand here. We cover baseball, basketball, football. We're behind on baseball, but we'll get there. Um, we'll have you covered on that. We're going to have recaps of the Tuesday games. And the Wednesday games, we'll preview the Tuesday games. We've already done that. We'll preview the Wednesday games, I think, on Tuesday morning. Best way to catch all our content, hit the subscribe button. That's free and enable your notifications so you know when we put videos up. 
hit the like button, tell a friend if you don't mind. Um, and, and by the way, I'm not a I'm not a pro bracketologist. If you want a more accurate projection than what I just gave you, I'm sure there are some out there. I think part of the point of this for those of you watching on YouTube is just to to show you how the bodies of work compare, to show you how we tried to put that together based on the facts in front of us. And, you know, if the selection committee would agree with this today, it's anybody's guess, but but we did our best, Max. Yeah, just kind of getting an idea, just trying to get comfortable here with, okay, where is my team right now? And, and what does their short future here look like on how they can improve or not improve on that? That's just kind of where we're sitting right now. It's early February still. Yeah. Thank you for watching. For Max Barr, I'm Chris Lee. This is Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.